2: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
3: All right. Well, Boston taking it to Washington tonight. It's five nothing early in the third. Uh, Trent Frederick has fought Tom Wilson, who went in up high for a hit on Brandon Carlo earlier in the game. So some scores to settle in that one uh, marchand has two goals up to 12 on the season frederick bergeron and richie have uh, also scored five nothing boston leading washington early in the third early in the second period lightning with a 2-1 edge on the blackhawks de has the goal for chicago he now has 13 on the season later blues and the kings ducks will play the avalanche the wild meet the coyotes and it'll be the Golden Knights up against the Sharks. The Oil Kings just underway about a minute into the first period at the downtown community arena. No score against the Medicine Hat Tigers at 7.30 tonight in the dub. It's the Rebels at the Hitman. Now, the Oil Kings will play again tomorrow. They will go to Medicine Hat for that game. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I hope your weekend is off to a great start. Thanks for spending Friday night here. Checking out Inside Sports, really appreciate it. You can always get in touch, 780-496-0063. That is the CertainTeed Hotline, CertainTeed Professional Grade Building Materials, pro all the way. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you uh, still use that old-fashioned device known as email, it is inside sports at 630Ched.com. Okay, I, we were talking about Tippett there uh, getting a little angry at, at practice and, and taking a, a minute or so to kind of uh, yell at the team and stress some things they have to work on and execute and saying, hey, do you want what happened against Toronto to ha- happen to you again? I, I, you know, I always realize it's uh, it's kind of a little bit of news when whenever a coach gets mad, especially at the pro level, and obviously the Oilers have had a tough week, so was Tippett going to pull out that card? I, I find that you, you know the, if the coaches can't do it too often. They're professional players. They understand things have gone wrong. I think for the most part, they understand that things need to be addressed. But I think if Tippett was disappointed in what was happening in practice to that point or with a certain drill, maybe he felt, uh, he felt that the message needed to be delivered a little more loudly and with a little more point than usual. I, I Look, I, I, I think it's like anything else. You, you can't overdo it. And you're talking to men here. It's not eight-year-old players who are going to be frightened when anybody raises their voices. But I so I think Tippett knows that you maybe get two to four of those a year, and he chose to use one today. And sitting in a three-game losing streak where you only scored one goal, probably not a bad time to use it to make sure that the players are paying attention to things. But I, I also know that, that – Whenever a a coach does that, it's it's often very calculated. And I'll, goalie doc, I know you're on the line there. I'll uh, I'll get to you in a second here. I just want to quickly tell a story. If you know if you're in the hockey world in uh, Alberta, you probably know the name Gord Thibodeau who was a coach in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He's actually now the winningest coach in the AJHL. And uh, I got to know Gord over the years. He was the coach of the Lloydminster Blazers when I started working there. Then he went to the Saints, and then he was in Fort McMurray for quite a while. And uh, so this would have been, like, I don't know, I was in Lloyd for seven years. So prob- maybe even my seventh year then. By then, you know, Gord and I knew each other. You're always seeing each other doing interviews whenever his team comes to town. So it was an early-season game. And and I'd heard from from players who had been coached by Gord. And Gord, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I'm telling stories out of school or maybe stuff that you're going to think is BS things that people have said about you. But I'm going to tell the story anyway. So so I I I you know you get to know some people who played for Gord, and they always said you know he was such a he was very passive in training camp, didn't say much the first few games of the season. And you kind of think like, man, I heard Gord was such a hard ass, and he and he hardly says anything. And then about ten games into the season, he would lower the hammer and said, "I've been letting it dude letting you do it your way, and your way ain't working. And now you're doing it Thibodeau's way because we got to win." So. The, the Lloyd Minster AJHL team, they were called the Bobcats and the Blazers. They did, they didn't have a lot of good teams when I was out there. So they lost a lot of games. So it was a relatively early season game, probably like eight games into the season and Fort max, you know, five and two and Lloyd's probably one and six or something. And, uh, Fort Mac came in and I think it was, you know, a fairly routine four, two or five, three win. I mean, it was close, but not really close. So I go down with my camera person to the hallway for the visitors dressing room after the game. And, uh, Gord's about, uh, Gord's talking to an assistant coach, and then he walks by me in the hallway. I was like, Hey, Gord. Oh, hey, Reed, how you been? Good, good. You got time for some post game? He's like, Oh, just a sec, buddy. I just got to go talk to my team. Like, as pleasant as you can be, as professional as you can be, he goes into his dress- the dressing room, slams the door behind him, and delivers this incredible tirade. It wasn't very long. And I won't use all the words, and I, I'm not going to scream into your radio here, but, but basically, is that the kind of effort we're going to get? Is that how you're going to sacrifice? Are you going to go out there and play for yourselves or play for each other? We got some guys not willing to take a hit to get the puck out along the wall. Is that the type of effort you're going to give? You guys should be ashamed of yourselves. And, then, and this was after they won a game, but now he's trying to snap them to attention and worry about the details. And then the door opens up. And he comes out, he's got a smile on his face. Hey, Reid, you want to do the interview now? Sure, Gord, let's do do the interview. So obviously, you know, extremely calculated. And I'm sure he was planning the right moment to do that after a game and thought, okay, we just won uh, and we just beat a bad team, but we weren't nearly as assertive or as dominant as as we can be. Could have been, maybe I I saw some passivity in the game. This is when I'm going to lower the hammer. I always remember, remember that, Gord Thibodeau. Yelling, good old Lloyd, Mister Civic Center goalie doc. I'm always happy when you phone in. What's on your mind tonight, sir?
0: I'm not sure I can follow up on your last uh, uh, story there. Um, so I was lucky enough to meet uh, uh, Mister Gretzky uh, in 2000, February 2000, myself and my wife, because he was our um, uh, he was a uh, uh, coach for one of the doctors' teams there, and then and an after dinner kind of speech as well too. And what, you know everybody's—he's got so many good qualities, but one of them is his humor as well. So, anyways, he goes—he's um, you know he's talking to myself, my wife, just like you know like you, everybody says, as if we're as if we're his longtime friends or whatever. So he takes a takes one of the pucks and he signs it W Gretzky, gives it to my wife and says, "Oh, nobody'll know it's not Wayne," and he, he starts laughing, and. So he, he gets, yeah, so, it, you know, hilarious. And then and during the talk, like, he, um, he, he had this humor uh, that uh, it was funny, a little bit dry sometimes, but just talking about, well, I had to get on the road to, uh, to get out of the house to go talk, and uh, so I came to talk to you guys and stuff like that. So it, it was fun. It was in February of 2000 in Red Deer, at the Red Deer Lodge there where we had our banquets usually. So, yeah, great man. I um, won't we'll miss him. It's nice to have a chance to have met him. And he was he was always nice to everybody, like he, everybody says. So, yeah.
3: Goalie Doc, how? how I, I hope you don't mind when I ask you this, but you gave a very informative and passionate call in the summer about uh, COVID and stuff like that. How are things in uh, in your part of the medical profession now?
0: Well, in the office, we're still. It, it's kind of getting. We're we're glad to hear about the vaccinations now. Uh, it's kind of like it's a year now, and it's it's. Uh, I think. Um, the mask wearing the masks and wearing the shields and stuff like that uh, i think people try and do their best but you you feel like you're a little bit on edge still i think and you try and be as kind as you can but i think it i think it's getting to everybody and it'll be nice when people will have a um have their vaccinations and well things will be a little bit better there but so far we've been pretty safe in our office there so it's been good but thank you for asking
3: yeah goalie doc i'm happy you called in enjoy the game tomorrow okay okay thanks Goodbye. That is goalie doc seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the certainty hotline. Two point Robert writes in. He says, "Hey, Reed, you forgot to say the fax number. I could probably find that. Like I, we can still receive faxes. I don't know how many we get, but Angie, we still actually have a machine that can receive faxes at the office. I suppose I wouldn't get them. Somebody would have to then scan them for me." <laughs> That's what somebody sent me a fax and then it will get left on my desk. And then whenever I, I go in to the office, whenever that's going to be, I think I'm going to be broadcasting from home or Rogers place just for, for a while now. Do we still have a fax machine number? No, I don't think we do. To, Angie, do you know it? I don't. Oh, she, I was actually trying to look at our board here, which I can get really quick numbers to the newsroom and every other place that I need, but I do not see a fax number on it. We definitely we definitely can receive faxes. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Colton says, hey, Reed, did your boss ever yell at you and give you the gears back in the day at Blockbuster Video? You know, maybe when you weren't cleaning the VHS tapes properly or not making sure they were rewound. My goodness! I I probably got yelled at at Blockbuster. That was uh, that was a long time ago. Usually, it'd be customers yelling because they had a sixty cent late fee that they didn't want to pay. Um, in all seriousness, though, we did not have to clean the VHS tapes, uh, but we would have to make sure they were rewound. And then we would have we had those little novelty VHS rewinders, so it might look like a classic car. And the hood would pop up and you'd put the tape in there and push it down and then it would rewind. And Kevin says, my dad was a big influence. Is this the same Kevin who's, I I think Kevin's a recent uh, star here on uh, on the text line. And he's got a good sense of humor. He says, my dad was a big influence in my hockey career. Early in my childhood, he came and watched me play one game. After the game, he came up to me and said, son, take up darts. <laughs> well, Kevin, if I hope you get this reference then. One hundred and forty. All right, James Neal uh, likely on a line with Haas and Chase on tomorrow. The briar is underway. Brendan Botcher representing Alberta, U of A grad excellent curler he's uh, gonna start tomorrow morning brendan's on the line now brendan welcome back to inside sports how are you doing i'm doing great thanks Well, you're a prize for people who like alliteration today. Brendan Botcher from the bubble. Uh, How's (laughs) how's life there so far?
1: You know, it's okay. Uh, It's certainly tough and tricky and all those things. Um, I'm usually (laughs) pretty busy and I'm pulled in a lot of directions on the average day. So in some ways, it's kind of nice to be uh, really there's nothing I'm allowed to do outside of what I can do in the hotel room here. And that's kind of nice, too. So when did you get there?
3: And, and and I assume you've gotten some pretty clear guidelines that you have to follow here.
1: Yeah, so I, I came down early Wednesday morning, uh, and then we got our first test that day. I also had to come with a negative test, so I was already two tests in. Uh, both of those came back negative, and then we got our third test here this morning. <laughs> and if that third test comes back negative, then we're all cleared to start playing, and then a few days from now, we get a follow-up fourth test. <laughs> and and on it goes from there. Okay. So w- when you're in the hotel, are you allowed
3: to go anywhere in the hotel or go to others' rooms? Because I know from the NHL, like some of the Washington Capitals got in trouble just for going to other teammates' uh, hotel rooms. Are you going to be able to do anything uh, that is not totally solitary <laughs> when you're not at the rink?
1: Uh, So... Right now, the answer is no, um, because we haven't had all the rounds of testing come back. I do think once that last test comes back negative, they allow for some movement uh, solely amongst your team, um, which will give us some opportunity. We are also allowed to go to the venue and watch the games that we're not playing in. So we've got a little bit of an opportunity there to get out of our rooms. But otherwise, it's pretty much hunker down uh, and wait for your time to to go to the ice. Okay. Well, and uh, and you get
3: at it tomorrow morning. It's uh, I think you
1: have Manitoba tomorrow morning. What do you know about these guys? Yeah, so we played Jason quite a bit. Uh, Jason was actually our alternate at the last Olympic trials, so we know him pretty well. Um, and, and they're a great team. They were in contention last year. They're one of the top teams in our pool, I think, so we definitely got to come out of the gate playing pretty sharp. Yeah. Well, look,
3: I ask you this, we've done this before the Briar uh, four years in a row now, and I know the last two years and I'll make it three in a row. I'll ask you how it feels going into it. And if the experience makes it feel any more comfortable, uh, but I I know I, I do preface that by saying, I know this year is incredibly uh, different, but do you feel like kind of a wily old Briar veteran at this point? <laughs>
1: you know it, it is starting to feel uh just more n- normal um which is which is good you really want to be coming into these events and have a certain level of comfort um this year like you say is completely different on so many levels so i'm not sure anyone's truly uh truly coming into this feeling a hundred percent comfortable because 10 minutes later You know the rug might get pulled out from under you the rules change and you're back to square one again so i know the girls um the scotties that went on the last couple weeks they were daily the the rules and the restrictions and what they were and were not allowed to do was changing constantly so you really got to come into this with a bit of an open mind to kind of take each day as they come try not to get too rattled if things uh unexpected come up and and hopefully you're still sticking around for the last weekend
3: Right. Brandon Botcher joining us on inside sports, ready to skip at the briar in the Calgary bubble. Uh, his first game is coming up tomorrow morning. So tell me, and I, I know we checked in a couple of times during the season, but just, just kind of remind everybody, cause you did get to play, I, I think in three events and then you haven't been able to play. So what has the the competition calendar looked for like for you after all this?
1: well it's been tough i would say our team's not in a a very different position than pretty much everyone else um able to play a couple events in october november but it was a solid three months where we didn't play a game of curling and it was only at the start of february where we were given a, a practice exemption for some of the athletes that were headed down into the bubble here and then we were able to get out and start practicing again so we we have had three four weeks of practice um but but like everyone else, you know, there's some things you just can't practice. You, you got to play games to, to get where you need to be. So I do think the first couple of games uh, out of the gate here, everyone's going to have a, a certain amount of rest. And it's really going to come down to the teams that can shake that off the fastest and start playing their best. Yeah. So so can you
3: tell me any sense at all of if you feel you guys are hot, a little off? Like, Is there any
1: sense of that at all? Well, well, I can say from our practice, it, it feels good. It feels like we're right in the, in the ballpark where we want to be. I think the first couple games will be a huge test, though. And we've got to come out and, and play good and, and even, you know, try a little harder than usual. Make sure we're really doing all the right things. It's hard all the team dynamics, communication, sweeping, line calling, all of those other things. They'll, that's what's hard to practice. So it's those things we're really going to have to focus on
3: with no fans. Do you notice the lack of oohs and ahs and groans and applause with reaction to shots?
1: for sure it was even tough watching the scotties you know they make a phenomenal shot and <laughs> the building's completely silent i think it'll be interesting hearing the commentators up in the booth or hearing a volunteer walk around on the concourse or you know all of those little sounds that are usually drowned out by the the white noise of the, the fans and the stands so it'll be interesting um but you know uh <laughs> of all the things that are different this year, I, I think that's pretty low down on the list.
3: Are, are ice conditions different when there are so many, I mean, it's going from you know thousands of people in the building to dozens, does that change the ice at all?
1: So it does, um, but actually that should make uh, the ice better. So usually the ice makers have quite a hard time controlling the temperatures in the building because for a couple hours, you've got a few thousand people in there and it warms up. And then as soon as they leave, <laughs> it cools down and, and you're constantly playing that roller coaster and now i mean with so few of us in there it should be pretty easy to keep the temperatures where they need them to be and hopefully that uh that's rewarded in really good ice conditions for us all week yeah okay well brendan as always we wish
3: you the best it's uh it's a briar under circumstances we've uh we've never seen before and uh and uh and uh, obviously like it always is with the Canadian Championship. It's it's an incredibly competitive field. So we wish you all the best. Go get them this week.
1: Have a good one. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much, Reed.
3: Thanks for the intro, Mysterious Voice Man. NHL update. It is 5-1, Boston over Washington late in the third. Some aggression in that game. Tom Wilson upsetting the Bruins with a high hit on Brandon Carlo. We'll see if he gets punished for that. Late in the second period, Lightning and Blackhawks tied 2-2. Five minutes left in the first. Blues lead the Kings, one zip. No score in the first. Ducks and Avalanche. Minnesota has jumped out to a 2-0 lead in Arizona. Brad Hunt, the former Edmonton Oiler, has his first of the year. Golden Knights and Sharks will face off at 8.30. In the Western Hockey League, Oil Kings looking good again. Final minute of the first period, they lead Medicine Hat 2-0. Keeler and Gunther, the goal scorers, we had Dylan Gunther on the show Last night, was good to talk to him. Red Deer and uh, Calgary just getting underway in Calgary, updating the Western Hockey League. We had Brent Sutter on the show, coach, GM, president of the Rebels earlier this week. And the Rebels are literally living in the centrium with the uh, COVID concerns and uh, billeting concerns and all that kind of stuff. The players are staying in the suites at the centrium. Meals are being served there. They're watching games and movies on the, on the big screen and doing their schoolwork online which the rebels have actually been doing for a few seasons but uh red deer playing at calgary tonight oilers and flames tomorrow 6 30 face-off show here on chet the game will start at eight o'clock saturday night late one again here's how the oilers look today mcdavid centered nugent hopkins and pulley dry settle between Cahoon and yamamoto kara with shore and archibald carry in the middle there Haas centering Neal and chase on. So Ennis, Patrick, Russell, Turris and Nygaard were the extra forwards. The defense nurse was back with Barry Lagesson, and Larson, Russell and Bouchard, Jones and bear. Wouldn't surprise me if Jones and bear are the guys that get uh scratched tomorrow. It's either going to be that pairing or it's going to be Russell and Bouchard. Thought Russell was okay against the Leafs and, uh, Imagine they'll want to get Bouchard back into the lineup at some point. So that is the latest there from your uh, Edmonton Oilers. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the Certainty Hotline to call or text. Uh, yeah, uh, Colton wrote back and he says, "I swear there was a way to clean VHS tapes. I remember there was a there was a head cleaner for the machines that looked like a tape, and you'd put it in and you'd run it for a few minutes, and that was supposedly to clean the 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 heads on the vhs machine i don't remember about cleaning the actual tapes themselves colton um man you're taking me back to the blockbuster days what a time in my life should write a book about that or could combine it with like a spy story where maybe you know there's a mild-mannered blockbuster video employee but he's actually a spy that'd be a pretty good story uh victor says sorry what was that angie Oh, oh, yeah. Give me a sec here, Jocelyn. Uh, Victor says, uh, hey, Reed, heard you talking about your golf game earlier. If you want to drop your handicap from 21 to 12, I can help you. Is Victor offering me golf lessons? No, Victor, be careful before you think you can actually turn me into a half-decent golfer. He says, give me four hours and two large bucket of balls at a practice facility, and I'll get you to a 12 handicap by the end of this coming season, contingent on you being able to practice a reasonable amount. Which, I, I yeah, that's the, that's the challenge for me, Victor. I like to just get out and play. Uh, I, I was better a couple of years ago, um, but now I pull the ball. I still make good contact, but I hit, I hit line drives to left field. And I used to have kind of a weak slice because I wasn't following through enough. That's gone. And then I was hitting reasonably straight for about a year and a half. And now I, I, I think I'm coming over the top. And for those of you, Victor, you probably understand what that means. So I think I'm coming over the top, and my club face is closing, so I'm pulling the ball. Because it doesn't really, it's not a hook. It's, it just kind of goes straight off to the left. But it, maybe I'll take you up on that, Victor. Who knows? Jocelyn is on the Certainty hotline. Go ahead, Jocelyn.
4: Hi. Um, we have a sweet story about, about Walter, and it was on our 25th anniversary. We decided to go to Niagara Falls. And on the way back, my husband took a detour. And he went to um, Brampton, Br- Brant- Brantford or whatever. And um, so I said, where are we going? And he says, oh, just for a little ride. So he goes to a gas station. And then he told me what he was doing. He says, we're going to go visit Walter. Well, I know that he's not going to go visit Walter. I'm going to go visit Walter, because I'm going to be the one that has to knock on the door. So we did find Walter's house, and, and he says, oh, maybe we shouldn't. And I says, no, nope, we're here. I'm going to do it. So I saw all the hockey sticks on the doorstep. You could tell it was his house because there was tons of sticks. And I knocked on the door. Walter came to the door, and I says, hi, Walter. I says, we're from Edmonton. He says, well, come on in. <laughs>
3: no, Jocelyn, sorry, I did, before you go on, I just want to clarify. You had no previous relationship with Walter Gretzky.
4: No. Okay, yeah. sorry, I'll
3: let, so he invites, he invites you in, you, I, just I just wanted, wanted to, to clarify, clarify that, that. Go, 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 I'll let, let you let let's keep, keep going.
4: going. Okay, so we go in, and, and my husband was in the car, so I waved him to come in, we go in, and he says, sit down, do you want a cup of coffee or anything, and I said, no, no, that's fine, I didn't want to put him out or anything, and he goes over into this thing, and he pulls out this box of pictures of Wayne and i said well he says what are you doing out here and i says well it's our 25th anniversary so we came out to toronto to go to a concert and go to niagara falls and he says oh and on the pictures he wrote uh he he put one like they're all signed by wayne anyway but he put happy 25th anniversary on one picture to us and then he said how many kids you got to go five he says what's their names and he gave one to each kid and then he says um I says, we went to the wineries while we were down in Niagara Falls. He says, oh, yeah. I said, i got a couple bottles of wine in the car. He says, well, bring them in, and I'll autograph them. So I brought the bottles in, and he autographed them. And I was just like, wow. And then he says, come on, I'm going to go show you something. So he took us downstairs, and we were just in awe of everything that was down there. I was just like, I was like, wow, like all Wayne's stuff and his his jerseys and then the two chairs from the forum, and I was like, "He's bringing us down here like we're strangers," and but he did it anyway. And, so how um, long ago was this? This was a ten, years ago.
3: ten years ago.
4: And and it'll be ten years ago in June. And then he um he he said, "I'll take your picture." So he takes my camera. He says, "Put on two jerseys." So we put on two jerseys, picked up two trophies, and he took our picture. And I was just like, holy cow, like, you know, and he was such a gentle soul. He was just so gentle. And, and you know, I, I just, when I heard he had passed away, it wasn't easy.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, Jocelyn, thank Thanks you for, for sharing, sharing that. that. I, I appreciate that you would call Inside Sports to share that story. That's, that's an incredible memory. Really appreciate you tuning in and calling tonight. Okay, thank you. That is Jocelyn with uh, an unscripted drop-in to visit Walter Gretzky, and he welcomed them in and and shared a great afternoon with them. That's a really cool story. Thank you very much, Jocelyn. And for more on uh, Walter Gretzky, a guy who got to know him very well while his son Wayne was playing for his hockey team at the time, we welcome back to Inside Sports the former owner of the Los Angeles Kings, Bruce McNall. Bruce, how are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing okay.
3: Just doing fine. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot for checking in tonight. Obviously, you know, sad news in the hockey world to lose Walter Gretzky, but so many people with great memories of him, and, and you included. Um, you know, obviously that was such a huge story when when the, the L.A. Kings uh, and you brought Wayne over, and uh, did you get a sense that, you know, Walter was was part of the transaction too, <laughs> or, 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 or what was is it Walter well- was
2: there? In the very beginning, not really, Uh, but as we got into it more, uh, you know, and then Wayne became, you know, I was dealing with Wayne a lot, uh, sort of around Peter uh, somewhat. Then uh, Walter got involved somewhat. He would talk about, uh, you know, his his thought. Initially, he didn't think Levy Edmonton was a good idea for Wayne. And I didn't blame him. He has his teammates, he had, you know, a, a, a team that could have won who knows how many Stanley Cups. So I didn't blame him at all, and, uh, but as time went on, he began to see that when it, when it was obvious that uh, a trade somewhere was going to be made, then he was very much in favor of coming to L.A. And, you know, we went out a lot, we spoke a lot about the future the plans, and uh, he was just great. Once you got to know him,
3: I mean, certainly, obviously, you would have known who he was, but, but once you got to know him as a person, Bruce, was there anything that really struck you or that made you think, okay, yeah, I can see how uh, this type of a dad would, would help mold a, a player and a person like Wayne?
2: Well, you know, uh, yeah, well, there are a few things. Uh, first of all, he was so down to earth. I mean, he was working for the phone company when I knew him, always was, always did, uh, he was not at all, you know, one of these dads that's uh, overbearing or trying to dictate whether, whatever is happening and uh, a stage mother kind of thing. He was not that at all. Uh, he was obviously the kind of guy that really cared about the sport, cares about his kids a lot. And, uh, and you can see that, uh, funny enough, from the day we spoke until near the end, I spoke to him maybe, oh, God, it's been several months ago. Uh, he would always call me Mr. McNall no matter what. Mr. McNall, did, hey, Mr. McNall, what do you think of this? You know? And it was so funny because he was so polite and so caring, it was endearing uh, that he would do that all the time. So he was, uh, you know, he was an amazing guy. Um, I would ask him questions like, you know, did you ever, did you know that Wayne was that good? Yeah, I kind of knew when, I, when he was about three or four years old, he could be pretty good. And certainly by the time I was eight or nine, he was awfully good. I would say, how much of that is that responsible to you? And he would laugh. He'd say, well, just tell Wayne I, all of it is. <laughs> and He would laugh about it. So he <laughs> had a great personality, uh, you know, and uh, just a, a great man.
3: I'm curious, and you and I have talked a couple times in the past when, we, when we've when we talked about the trade. And, and like, uh, I, know, I know you said, you know, L.A. is a competitive market. You had to make a splash. And then, you, you know, you had actors and celebrities and and famous people going to the games that kind of help the the image of the kings and all that stuff that doesn't strike me like that's walter scene though uh <laughs> did
2: he have to get- well I, I i had to retrain him i retrained him. he used to love it he'd go he'd say to me things like hey that's, that's that's john candy right and he was you know he was excited he, he really was uh hey that's that's tom hanks yeah that's tom hanks you want to meet him oh, I, I don't know if i can meet him Sure, go ahead and meet him. And he enjoyed that part of it, but it wasn't his thing. You know, it wasn't something that he, was his thing at all. It's like when I took him to France for the first time, and Wayne and I had a horse running in the Arc de Triomphe. They won, actually, Samaras. And uh, it's the biggest race in the world at that time, horse race. And he, he, we would go to dinner, and he would say, what is this stuff? You know, and he would, he, he was a riot, because he was a fish out of water. Complete fish out of water, you know. Um, what the hell are they talking about? What are they saying anyway? You know, and and uh, boy, these are big buildings here. What is this? You know, and he was he was just great guy, fish out of water. You wouldn't expect him to be anything more than he was, which was just a down to earth guy.
3: It's interesting too, Bruce, because talking to some other people today and and watching uh, tribute stories to him on on television and on YouTube the footage of him is not just at Wayne's games it's not just at Oilers and Kings and and Rangers games he's in a school gymnasium speaking he's at a minor hockey event he's you know working working with kids and and i think that's one thing to remember here he he was more than Wayne Gretzky's dad he became one of the to me one of the greatest ambassadors for the sport of hockey for all levels and all ages
2: well you're absolutely right i mean frankly I, I think the pro games to him coming to King games and so forth was not his thing. I mean, he was fine to do it. He enjoyed it, but he really enjoyed working with kids. That was his thing. He loved to go out and speak to the people, speak to kids, speak to people in general about not only the sport, but how to raise kids properly, what it takes, uh, how Wayne became, what Wayne was. That's what he really enjoyed was 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 that type of in, interaction, you know? Uh, I give you a funny story, for example, uh, when, in my brilliance or non-brilliance, uh, we decided to get the uh, Rocket Ismail for the Toronto Argonauts when, when Wayne and John Kennedy and I owned it. I came up with the idea of trying to do a Gretzky kind of deal to make, you know, the CFL relevant in Toronto. So the idea of getting a number one draft pick from the NFL seemed to make a lot of sense. So, so we when we get so I talked to Walter, Wayne and I just be just before we got him, I said, Look, Walter, we're going to get this guy. He's the number one pick in the NFL. And, you know, we, we hope we can bring in the fans and this. And, that. and he said, Well, good luck to y'all. But I know he's a great player, but he's no Wayne Gretzky. That's his quote. He's <laughs> no Wayne Gretzky. And it was a very funny statement, the way he said it. It was humble in a way, but it was very funny. And that that's that was he had a great sense of humor. That's things that people don't recognize. He laughed all the time and he loved to laugh and have fun and he was just just loved to enjoy life
3: Bruce McNall joining us tonight on inside sports with some memories of walter gretzky and i think i kind of want to want to bring this up too um you know about about fathers and sons uh you know we know about uh, michael jordan and his motivation from his dad and the tragedy and, and how that shaped the, the kind of the latter half of Michael's career. I, I don't know if you watched that Tiger Woods documentary on HBO from about a month and a half ago. And that was kind yeah. of maybe the opposite of, of Wayne and Walter because Tiger after a while almost was distancing himself from his dad a little bit, but that, that never seemed to happen with Wayne and Walter. The, the father son relationship was always embraced. Wayne was never embarrassed by it or felt cramped by it. Like it always just seemed really healthy.
2: Exactly. No, I think they both really enjoyed their relationship with each other. Uh it was really close family uh unit. I mean, you had Walter, you had Phyllis, his wife, uh, you had the other boys, uh, and, and they were all a big family unit. And and uh and, and Walter, you know, was the leader of that unit, and, and even more than Wayne in a sense. So they became they, they remained close, they were as close, you know. They were very, very close. I, I, you know, Wayne and I have been texting back and forth here a little bit uh, throughout the last oh week or ten days when he was, you know, you know, getting pretty bad when he was from failing. And Wayne sent me a, a a photograph, a video actually of of Walter in in his bed and getting fed and so forth. And you know, and and it, it, you could it was the love that Wayne had for him for that. And you know, Wayne Wayne texted me today and said it's been a really tough day i'm so sad that was it you know very simple and uh that's that's sort of what his dad would want again their relationship remained so tight over all the time that i knew him uh and he never he never acted like wayne was the greatest thing that ever hit the earth he he was he was the greatest player in the history of the game but walter himself never would say that to me he never used those kind of words or those uh, anything like that he would always be very humble and including with wayne too and that's probably what made Wayne the guy he is who always cares about the sport of hockey as he says hockey's you know done more for me than anything as opposed to about himself it's it's uh you could see that right coming from his father
3: yeah well said hey bruce we appreciate these memories uh you know obviously this this is the story today in in the hockey world and and thanks for lending your voice to it bruce you're always welcome here on
4: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: 630, Chad. You got it. Happy to. No problem. Thanks very much. Take care. Right on. Right on. That is Bruce McNull, former owner
3: of the Los Angeles Kings. Really good memories there of Walter Gretzky. (laughs) Back on a line with Connor McDavid and Jesse Puliarvi at Oilers practice today. I forgot to mention, too, Mike Smith was in the good old home team net, the starters net, an indication that he will probably get the call tomorrow against the Calgary Flames. Tonight, now into the second period at the Downtown Community Arena, Edmonton Oil Kings still up two nothing on Medicine Hat. About three and a half minutes into the second frame, halfway through the first in Calgary, no score between the Hitmen and the Red Deer Rebels. NHL tonight, Minnesota already up three nothing. On Arizona, first period just ended there. Also after the first, Ducks leading the Avalanche, 1-0. And uh, also through 20 minutes, Blues leading the Los Angeles Kings, one nothing. David Perron having a pretty good year. He gets his eighth of the season. After two, Lightning and Blackhawks tied 2-2. Alex DeBrincat both goals for Chicago he now has 14 really good player having a really good season for the Hawks and the Bruins have beaten the Capitals 5-1 Tom Wilson under the Bruins skin in that game he delivered a high hit that uh, looked like it could be well possibly uh, warranting a look from the NHL player safety department so we'll keep an eye on that Golden Knights and Sharks will face off at 8:30 Golden Knights doing very well 14-4 four and 1 the Sharks are sitting at 8-10 and 2. Your Edmonton Oilers are now 14 and 11. They have lost 3 straight for the first time all season long. They will try to fix it tomorrow night against the Flames, uh, the Flames coming in with uh you know big win over Ottawa last night didn't stop the coach from being fired. They uh, played four games in a row against Ottawa. They won two of them, and they're actually going to play Edmonton on Saturday and then go back home to play Ottawa again on Sunday. Daryl Sutter, the new coach of the Flames, will not be on the bench tomorrow. He's not going to run a practice until Tuesday. He's got to go through the COVID protocol, so Ryan Huskup will be the Flames bench boss tomorrow night. I'll talk to you at 6.30 tomorrow evening. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, your studio producer this evening. Really appreciate you checking out the show. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.